our cars will break down. And when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV, and less repair bills, plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Good evening, you beautiful people in Detroit Lakes. This is the Vikings Territory Breakdown. I am your host, Joe Johnson, owner of the UFDA Sports Network, which includes VikingsTerritory.com, PurplePTSD.com, a new Minnesota hockey website, MiniIce.com, and... Uh, if I'm being uh, transparent, far too many other uh, Minnesota sports sites launching here in the next couple weeks. I am here for the first time without Mr. Joe Olberly, my uh, sidekick of many, many years. He is uh, taking the week off, and so he is getting replaced and subbed in by Mr. Tim McNiff, who's been on the last few episodes of this show, I'd like to uh, replace a uh, a baby, uh, uh, what I assume was a uh, second, third generation, maybe fourth Irish American baby boomer with another Irish American baby boomer, Tim McNiff. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm just I'm just like your permanent uh, pinch hitter now. First it was you know? Tice, and now it's for Joe, and th- these are. I mean, Tice was one thing. I had no problem with that, but I got to admit, I'm a little shook. Joe Oberly, those are some big shoes, brother. Yeah, you have to. You really have to be a certain kind of optimistic wet blanket. That Joe is. He told us the line very well. Uh, that's the role that I'm looking for you to fill because I am uh, apparently, according to a lot of the, the comments and feedbacks on my articles these last couple weeks. Uh, depressingly uh, invested in the Minnesota Vikings. So I, I, don't, I don't actually, I'm not going to disagree with that one um, at all, to be completely honest with you. But there's not, there's there's some Vikings news uh, that we'll get into. I think that what's nice about having somebody new to the network, which you've written your first two stories in the last couple of days, I would highly suggest people hop on to uh, vikingsterritory.com and check out Tim's uh, first couple written stories. You and I are going to do a ton of video stuff moving forward as well. But um, what's fun about connecting with somebody like you is you know getting your opinion on things that again I'm maybe a little too interested in in terms of the Vikings and in the NFL. And there's you know there's been a lot of talk about the uh, our neighbors to the east, the Green Bay Packers after. 
that game on Sunday, which felt very Vikings-esque the way that oh. that game ended up winding down. You felt like... 100%. Wasn't it? I mean, is that take that you got? I know that you and I may disagree a little bit about what, what Rodgers' legacy is moving beyond that game, which we'll get into, but I wanted your interpretation just on, on the game itself. Yeah, I, I just was watching those things. So end of the first half, you know, Tampa Bay trots off their, their offense and here comes their punt team. And then they bring the offense back on and, and they've got a, you know, fourth and eight from the 39, eight seconds to go. They don't have any timeouts. There, there's, there, they can't stop the clock. I mean, unless you get like, you know, a pass in seven seconds and the guy gets out of bounds. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, so, so the Packers have three defensive backs across the goal line. If it was me, I would have had Devontae Adams would have been the, the deep safety splitting the, you know, the hashes. And then you got your two guys, uh, you know, near the line of scrimmage on the outside, and two guys behind them. So, so seven seven of your defenders are basically keeping you from the sidelines and keeping you from the deep pass. And you're going to either rush three or rush four. And if you rush three, then you're leaving somebody in the middle of the field to stop some sort of hook and ladder. No, Green Bay's going to play man. It's like mm. how did how did that happen? How did they get put in that? This Mike Pettin, who is a very good defensive coordinator, how in the world does Green Bay get caught in man and and Jeffy Miller or Joey Miller or what was Scotty Miller? Mm-hmm. Scotty Miller gets behind, you know, their defensive back and catches a touchdown pass. I laughed and I just kept laughing like a man like delirious. And my wife is like, what is wrong with you? And I go, <laughs> you, you don't understand how my, and this, I put that on social media too. I said, you don't understand how mind numbingly stupid that was what green Bay just did. I mean, that, that is just your basic level pop Warner football. Yeah. You just don't do that and, and it, never let it get behind you. And I had a coach one say to me, especially late in the first half and especially at the end of the game. And I'm like, coach, you could just stop it. Don't ever let a guy get behind you. If I'm the safety, I'm the deepest man on the field. That's just the way it is. And and that the Brady could throw such a lollipop and it could get caught for a touchdown pass. I said to my wife at the time, well, Green Bay just deserves to lose this game just for that. Just right that there. What do you attribute that to, though, as someone who has coached um, football and understands X's and O's better than I do um, and, and is, is, you know, come through and won championships other than teams that you've coached. How does that happen? Because I feel like, you know, uh, Lafleur has gotten a lot of plaudits, especially this season, but there's been this reputation uh, for him, you know, kind of being slow on the uptake in regards to, you know, like making in-game adjustments. And I, you know, I know that he's not responsible for that play, but it, that, that game really came down to the, the kind of the final minutes of, the, as you alluded to, the first half and and the decision that Lafleur made on fourth and goal at the end of the game. Uh, is that something that was just a brain fart by 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 Petten, do you think, or is that something that maybe the, the safety, there's a miscommunication and he bit where he wasn't supposed to? I mean, that was such a devastating blow. Yeah, the, the the way they the way they ran the route, you know, was to create a one on one matchup. And and I just think the Packers just didn't value Scotty Miller, nor would I have, but but I would not have mattered. I would have played such a ridiculously soft zone and I just would have been backpedaling and all I'm doing is like I said, somebody's near the line of scrimmage but near the sideline and somebody's, you know, ten to fifteen yards deeper than him but near the sideline. And he got three across that back line. Well, the only thing you can't do is give up a touchdown pass. 
And and I just, you know, it would have had to have been a jump ball situation. I just don't understand why Green Bay wasn't in that defense, but why they weren't. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, in, it written about because everyone is so hung up on yep. going for the two really, points really with nine minutes point. to go. You and, know, then, and, I, and with going for the uh, not going for the touchdown, but rather going for the field goal at the end that nobody's gone back to. Why the hell were they in a man coverage defense with eight seconds left on a fourth and eight from the thirty nine? That's a really good uh, point and a really good uh, uh, topic for a story, which I'm sure one of us will grab here uh, after the show, because it, we were chatting before the show about, you know, just Tim and I get along famously um, so far. And, um, you know, I, Joe Johnson, who I'm talking to third person, which alludes to the joke I was about to make about I'm better in small doses, but um, I, we talked a little bit about the risk, the risk benefit ratio of just the whatever topic you're talking about, and I don't see what the benefit what would have been there to running the the defense that they ran. Even if they were to pick the ball off, the odds of them doing that and then returning it for a pick six or something it was very low. But yeah, it's, just, it, it's astounding to me, and I feel like it ties in very well because if there's one thing that Packers fans have increasingly done. It's been, uh, they've been very critical of, you know, the the end of the Mike McCarthy and Ted Thompson era, uh, you know, the squandered uh, opportunity of having, arguably before Patrick Mahomes, the most talented quarterback in the history of the NFL. You know, I'm not poo-pooing the fact back to back right i was born in yeah. 1980 in 1984 i became cognizant of football i remember the end of the 80s uh a little bit but i really remember my first real memories are of you know Brett Favre, and they've again i'm not poo-pooing it but they've only and i say only in quotes because we've never won anything but they've only won two uh super bowls despite the fact that they have arguably two of the top quarterbacks of all time in For 30 in the, years yeah in a league that's increasingly quarterback i saw a stat yesterday essentially that said 75 percent of nfl quarterbacks in 2020 had an average qb rating higher than guys like steve young joe montana so on and so forth uh had on their career because of how past happy the league is and how the rule changes have been but i do think it's worth noting that i there you know lafleur i'm not going to say you lose an NFC championship game you're on the hot seat but I can see the seeds being planted already people saying why did they make those decisions that they did clearly Aaron Rodgers was uh, very vocal after the game about you know how many times did he say it wasn't my decision it wasn't my decision I get you know I get it we had three time- timeouts they ended up getting the two-minute warning because of that weird slide that guy did on the, on the kick return but it was a very um maybe not play it's hard to say, but it feels very Zimmer-esque in, you know, the playing not to lose as opposed to playing to win and yeah, going for it's, it. It's you taken know, knee. Number one it's league. 12 men in the huddle. It's, it's, it's all these things that, you know, we're famous for screwing up. And, and you know, we did. But now all of a sudden they go for two with nine minutes to go and, and don't get it. And what was that about? And then and then to go at the end of the game, and you touched on it, so I'm going to go there. And just to make a minor correction, I've actually written three pieces, not two. 
But um, you probably hated that one of the. I won't say which one. So you're only thinking of two. Um, Let's uh, but... let people decide. <laughs> they can tell us on social media which one they hated. But uh, I, I did write a piece about Aaron Rodgers it, 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 blowing an opportunity, fumbling an opportunity to cement his legacy. Yes. And and you know here you have this franchise, which you know which at the advent of television and um, you know they had Bart Starr, and and Bart Starr led them to a couple uh, you know maybe more than that, six or eight or whatever NFL championships. And then he, he won the first two Super Bowls. I mean, so how do you ever top that? Well, here comes yeah. Brett Favre and John Madden, you know, loved Brett Favre enough for, you know, 20 people. Um, and it, I, I just gag all the time, you know, and, and I love John Madden, but I mean, I just was too much of the whole Brett Favre. I business. feel like if Brett Favre was an airline pilot, Madden would have taken that plane as opposed to taking his bus. <laughs> maybe. Uh, but, but, Favre was the one knock Packer fans had against him, and it was legitimate, was he would try to force things in, you know, and, and sometimes yeah. he got away with it. It was amazing. And other times he was like, what was he thinking? But I, I vividly remember one time the Vikings were playing the Packers and they scored. And I remember saying to my wife, I was like super excited for like a second. And then she's like, what? What's the matter? And I looked at her, I go like, there's still 129. Yep. It's too, it's too much time. Yep. And he did it. He brought him right down the field and he beat us. So here you got this, this situation. And as I said in my piece about Rodgers, so now, you know, you misfire on that third down and, and he didn't run and he, he tried forcing the ball in and um, it, it gets knocked down. And was there pass interference? They were grabbing at Adams, but two guys were on him. He tried forcing it in. It doesn't go. So now it's, it's fourth and goal from the eight, not the three, not the two, whatever. Yeah. But but still, it's 209 left in the game. And your offense, this Green Bay Packer offense, is the best all-time offense in the red zone in a single season in NFL history with a quarterback who is waiting to be crowned uh, the league's most valuable player for how, how fantastic he's been this year. And so here comes the, you know, the Fleur says, you know, field goal team, and they start to trot on the field. As I said in the article, what happens if if, if Rodgers turns around and he just puts up the stop sign to the sideline? Yeah. How yeah. many of those guys keep running onto the field? Yeah. None. They stop. The guys start. And, and, and if Rodgers goes, hell no. And and after the game, even if they went for it and didn't get it, nobody would question it. But as you pointed out with Lafleur, sort of what's happened now is this will come back to haunt them, Lafleur and the Packers forever. Because this is the one that the disgruntled fans will come back to the next loss. Yeah. They'll go, blah, blah, blah. And, then, and remember the game against Tampa? What in the world? You know, so that will be that thing that they're, they're always going to hang on to. But I, I put the, the fault on that more on Rodgers just because, as I said, strike one, he didn't, he didn't go for it. And Favre would have gone for it, even on the run. He, he's a great runner. He's a great athlete. He should, he should have tucked the ball down and gone on second down. He didn't do it. So that's strike one. Strike two was he didn't call for it at that moment and say, hell no, we're not going off the field. We're going for it. We're, I'm going to do this. Strike two. And then strike three was it wasn't my call. Because you know what? Everything is Aaron Rodgers' call on that team. It's like Michael Jordan. It's like LeBron James. You can have Phil Jackson. You can have whoever else you want as the head coach. But if Michael Jordan looks at you and says, no, 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 we're running this. 
guess what they're going to run. And it's, I think that's really telling as to the relationship that, that he and Lafleur have, because I was really astounded. You know, I think a lot of, um, and I also kind of covered uh, this on Purple PTSD, and I essentially said it's time to admit that Rodgers has been a massive underachiever, and I, I didn't really place the blame at his feet more so on, you know, having a GM that didn't believe in adding free agents, which is insane. Um, and, and then uh, a, a new uh, regime that comes in and instead of, you know, maybe trading up to get a guy like Justin Jefferson or something, you end up, you know, drafting Jordan Love. And the way that they did it, it was just astounding to me hearing that, you know, Rodgers was just sitting at home watching the draft like you and I would not, you know, being on the phone with the team saying these are who's available. What do you think? And then just seeing that his replacement is drafted and then he basically goes to his liquor cabinet and for the first time in his life drinks an entire bottle of tequila that just seems like a really strange way to treat the league's mvp and a guy that you're you know trying to build a team around uh but it's or, not or, the first time they've done it joe it's, I just it, what why it, it are you know a lot of people at the time I mean right away when Lafleur came in there was a lot of rumblings coming out of uh, media in, in Green Bay that that he and, and Lafleur weren't weren't getting along and then when they drafted Love everyone was saying well this is cl- a clear sign that Lafleur is over Rodgers' BS essentially but at the same time it just was like how do you not keep him up to date on what is going on in the draft and then and have him find out the way that he did. And, and I think it was a big reason why he played so well this year because he had a gigantic chip on his shoulder. But at the same time, it's Devontae Adams and a bunch of guys who can't catch. Um, you know, Aaron True. Jones is is the best running back he's had, but that goes back to the McCarthy he, uh, era. They never really had any running backs of note. And at least they had Greg Jennings and, and uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, the white guy, the receiver, that was really good. Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson. Uh, yeah, it's just, it just seems very strange to keep a guy like that out of the loop on what's going on with with your team. No, in- I would agree, but it, it's honestly it's just for for for, uh, and I'm not wishing it on him, but you know, for Aaron Rodgers, it was shoes on the other foot. This is the exact same thing they did to Brett Favre. I vividly remember mm-hmm. being out on my my lawnmower. And we're, we're, you know, wearing headphones and, and they came to the Packers pick and I like stopped and, and it was like April because of the draft. And I, and, and I just wanted to make sure I heard this and they're like, they drafted uh, Aaron Rodgers quarterback, Cal university. And again, I started laughing like a lunatic out there in the yard myself. <laughs> I go, you would not believe what the Packers just did. And I, remember what Favre said about that? Well, I hope he can, I hope he can rush the passer. You know, because oh. he's, he wanted some help on defense and, yeah. and they didn't get it for him. And they didn't consult Brett Favre. They didn't ask him. They didn't. You know, and I agree with you. If we're thinking like in the modern world, you know, the best thing they could have done would have been to say, hey, look, this is what we're going to do. And here's why, you know, and 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 he wouldn't have liked it anymore. But at least you've made an effort. Um, so, yeah, they had so they had to try to repair the, the that fence. But, uh, you know. I just think with Lafleur, I mean, it's like McCarthy. McCarthy was seeing ghosts at the end of his time with Green Bay. Here's a guy who had been in the you know the game all his life and and had coached in you know several big games and um, you know he was making horrific game in game decisions near the end because his confidence was shot. And yeah. why was his confidence shot? Because Aaron Rodgers had done everything in his power to undermine him. Yep. And 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 so now this same thing could be about to repeat itself. You know, this Lafleur is 39 and, and Rogers is 37. 
You know, so it's, they're, they're contemporaries. And Aaron Rodgers has been in way more of these high-pressure games in a way more pivotal place than LeFleur. And he, Aaron Rodgers should have trotted over to the sideline and said, yep. Coach, put this one on me. I got this. Yeah. And all if he their, doesn't do it, then respect. he can stand up there. And, and everybody in Green Bay would be okay with it. They'd all say, well, what the hell would you do? You know, I'm not giving the ball back to Brady. And, and so I, I really think trying to and I and I wrote the piece I said you're getting this from Minnesota Viking fan perspective so I'm probably not going to be fair yep. but I, I really do believe that the bigger loser in that whole thing was Aaron Rodgers than Matt LaFleur <clears throat> excuse me yeah it's funny because he was on I think the Pat McAfee show or something I saw the headline yep. this morning and Rodgers essentially said uh he was happy about how the season went because it, it allow him to shut up all the douchebags. And I feel like that's not the takeaway that I'm seeing in regards to his legacy, you know, especially when you juxtapose it to a guy like Tom Brady, who has been a mainstay in the the, uh, the conference championship games since I was a sophomore in college. I mean, I know people hate Brady and, and I understand parts of that. You know, nobody likes a successful guy outside of Michael Jordan. Everyone loved him uh, fan wise. I mean, I, I know he was uh, not beloved by a lot of people in the league itself or by uh, maybe his bookie, but, um, you know, looking at what Brady's been able to do and how he's been able to do it, I think that from a legacy perspective, whether it's fair or not, you know, people are looking at, there was always this argument, well, you know, Brady obviously is very clutch and great, but how much of this is also Belichick and his ability yep. to build these teams and get guys to take less money, buy into the Patriots' way of doing things. And, you know, Brady leaves, you know, goes to Tampa. A lot of people say maybe it's because they didn't trade for Diggs, which is kind of an interesting little uh, caveat to that trade. But, and he, you know, he brings the Bucks, who were kind of up and down all season, to the, uh, to the, the Super Bowl. Um, and it's astounding. I don't, you know, I don't think it's easy to just write up Belichick that, you know, I don't think anything's one way or the other, but I mean, it's, I think we're just used to Brady doing this. So it's, we're not as astounded by the fact that it's his 10th Super Bowl. Uh, it's just, I mean, uh, amazing to see what he's been able to do still. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a perfect marriage in New England. And for the people who do want to put, you know, dirt on Bill Belichick, you have to remember how many veteran New England players opted to sit out this season? So this was almost like a wash for New England. They they weren't going to compete, you know, no matter what. So I, I don't think, you know, Belichick suddenly forgot, you know, how he does things or, or or anything like that. But what was remarkable to me was watching Tom Brady throw three interceptions and seven passes in in the second half because that I'd never seen before. I was like, what is going on? He's got this whole game, and he's literally imploding and trying to hand it back. So I think that you are looking at a guy who has um, put up remarkable numbers and and led this Tampa team that was not a playoff team a year ago, even though they knew they had the good defense, just had Jameis Winston turning the ball over all the time. And um, so, But still, guys have to learn how to win, and he brought that. And I think it's remarkable that he's got him to the Super Bowl. Uh, do I think he can win the Super Bowl? Well, anytime you play, you can win. But I don't think he will. I don't think so either. I mean, outside of maybe this turf toe situation being uh, more than than what, than what we thought it was um, with Patrick Mahomes, it sounds like he's going to have to have surgery after the season. Uh yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 Brady, I don't, I don't think all those interceptions were on him. 
Um, that one ball, it's debatable. It, you know, it, it, three picks, though. The defense kind of bailed him out in the second half. Uh, I, I put the agenda, does, uh, do you feel like Tampa deserved to win that game? And that's always kind of a hard, subjective uh, kind of term. But... Um, I don't see how they could win this. I mean, it would be astounding, and it would be great for for Brady to be able to uh, ride on this on this, you know, after one season retire. You know, we'll, we'll make him eight and two in the Super Bowl. Uh, speaking oh. of which, really quickly, Mr. Joel Oberly just joined us. Uh, what on, on the call? <laughs> out, of, out of nowhere, hey! he just hops I, he hops right in for Mankato. You can't keep a good man down. That's right. I, I I had to call in. I have one question. Did you already talk about the Packers? Did I miss it? We're still we, in it. We okay. we're, we're 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 knee deep in the Packers. Uh, the and you also didn't miss the big the Big Ten section. So I know that's your, your second question. <laughs> we're a half hour in and we're still devouring the Packers. So what do you want to add, Joe? Oh, you know, I'm sure you guys have already touched on it. But you know, I I certainly said last week that my one wish was what happened. Um, it, uh, it was a fun game to watch from a anti-Packer standpoint because, you know, they got beat and it was, it was uh, a very exciting game to boot. But, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I will say that, uh, Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere, but I, I will say that he, he deserves, he deserves plenty of blame for not only not running the touchdown in, but not saying so afterwards. That's what I want to say about it. He should have said, yeah. Were you listening to the show? That, <laughs> no. You and Tim are very much on the same page, it feels like, in that regard. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I, that, that was out of line. I mean, you can, you can go on afterwards and kind of throw out this little innuendo that, you know, well, you know, there's a lot of questions to be answered, and even my future, and, and throw everybody's – everybody start pulling their hair out. But when – and 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 – to disabuse yourself from blame, you know, if I didn't, wasn't my decision, if I would have known that they were going to kick the field goal, I would have went in. No, no, you should have said, no, I should have ran that ball and it was there. And that, that's where, that's my only fault with Aaron Rodgers. So. Well, I, I, that was the first of three things I said were wrong with Aaron Rodgers, Joe. I said, okay. one, he should, he should have run and he didn't have the guts to do that. Two, he shouldn't have come off the field when he sent a field goal team out. I said this, and I wrote this, and I just said it a minute ago. I said he should have put his hand up. If he puts his hand up, everybody stops, and he says, "No, no, no, we're going for it." Think Matt That's from the floor is going to fight him on that. That's a great point. Yes, you know, I, two two years in coaching versus you know what he's got twelve, fifteen years in the league. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. My point exactly. And three, the third strike was after the game. Oh, it wasn't my decision. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. If you if you walk up there and you say, hell no, boys, we're not leaving the field. We're going to punch this thing in. Well, I'm going to Devante, and we're going to get this, right, Devante? He can go, hell yes, we're going to get this. You know, And if they don't, you live with it. But at least everybody understands to, to increase your odds of winning a game by 0.9% or whatever the stupid you know, analytics <laughs> said you did by kicking the field goal at that point. It was like, who tell? You can't tell me they sat there on Wednesday night at 7.30 and said, you know, if we find ourselves down by eight points with two minutes and nine seconds to go, this is what we should do for fourth and goal from the eight. 
I just don't believe it. I don't buy it. You know what you know. You know who you have. They're the best red zone team in the history of the National Football League with the presumptive NFL MVP, and you bring out the field goal team. Right. That is Viking-esque thinking right there. And how about, how about the other, other one more point, Joe? Sorry, is, is three passes forced into Devontae Adams. The guy is getting double coverage with other guys running free that he could have, you know— got closer. He, he kept trying to throw it to Devonte Adams to try to get there. And I know he's been your money all year, but all, all game long, it's, but it was the other receivers that were, that were uh, uh, making hay with, and he was finding them and he was throwing some great passes into him. That, that that's on him too. That's, that's a decision, a poor decision on his part, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I can yeah. see him throwing to Tanyan, but as Joe has pointed out in some of his pieces, and I agree with him on, those other receivers, those Packer wide receivers, we saw in the two point. You know, they make some catches throughout the day, but man, they drop a lot of balls. That's true. Yeah, no, That's I true always thought it would come back to haunt them. You know, in the close games, you can't. You know, it's very Troy Williams esque, especially uh, uh, Valdez Scantling. You know, he's he's, he's a burner. <laughs> that may but... be a little extreme. <laughs> yeah, I will tell you, and I've told you all this story before, but my single favorite headline of all time, and I wish I could find it so I could get it tattooed on my lower back, it was the Pioneer Press, and Troy Williamson was out in, in the offseason at Myth Nightclub in Maplewood or wherever, and he got punched in the face by one of the bouncers, and the headline, I'm kind of paraphrasing it, says, but it basically says, Troy Williamson finally catches something, a punch. And I was like, that is just oh the my. best thing ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, go, it comes down to the argument of why Troy draft Jordan Love, uh, why not draft somebody, you know, that could be a 1B to to Devontae Adams, because as we saw even earlier in the season when they played the Bucks the first time, and even when the Vikings beat them after the bye, if you can shut him down, even if that means three short touchdown catches, that offense doesn't uh, operate as well. I do think that also losing Aaron Jones in that game was, was a big blow. Um, yeah. But right before you called in, Joe, we were talking about Tom Brady's legacy and whether or not the, the Bucks have a realistic chance to beat the Chiefs uh, in the big game. And I was uh, wondering what your take was on kind of those two topics. Well, uh, Tom Brady's going to burnish his legacy this week with just another Super Bowl loss next week, this is my opinion. I, I, I don't think they have the... Uh, the firepower to stay with him. And, and after what we saw from him this past week, while well, he had a great first half, what a terrible second half. Some of those yeah. passes, those passes, at least two of those picks were on him. And, yeah. uh, you know, you know, the end of the first half, the, the, the pass in down into the end zone, uh, was phenomenal. It was, it was, that was a legendary quarterback, you know, saying, okay, this is what I got time to do. This is what I'm seeing. I'm going to make this throw right on the money. It was like, boy, oh boy, did, did, did I leap in my household to, to see that and think, okay, this, this could happen today. They could beat him. And so I, I, I think, you know, they've got the, I think they've got, well, they obviously have the better defense, the bucks too, and yeah. they're going to need them on point and, and to really shut down uh, Pat Mahomes. But there is so much, so much firepower in that chief's offense. And, 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 and Mahomes is so creative. He, he is, he, you know, uh, what's his name? Brady will will write some checks, but Pat Mahomes will be able to cash him, and and I think that'll be the difference. I think if they have any chance, really, it, it might come down to the fact that Eric Fisher tore his Achilles, right? so he's out, and uh, that means that Mike Remmers might end up playing left tackle. I think he finished the game at left tackle, if I'm not uh, wrong about that. But also the fact that Mahomes is, you know. Uh, 
couple weeks away from having surgery on the turf toe that he has, which just seems incredibly painful. So if his blind side's not protected and he's not as mobile as he usually is, that could be a big thing. Because look how much the Packers missed David Bakhtiari in that game and what a, what a factor that was in the second half. That's a great uh, point. Well, I'm thinking back to last week's show, and I just remember somebody bringing up Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and uh, saying if he comes <laughs> back – what a difference maker he would be. And then seeing him out there in the end zone. Yeah. It's Kansas city played the second half of the season with one hand tied behind their back. Yeah. You give them two weeks to rest and, and get ready. And I, I agree with what you're saying. If you lose your starting left tackle, that's problematic. I just think Kansas city has too many weapons and their defense is actually better than, than a lot of people think that it is. I mean, the whole mm-hmm. honey badger uh, makes them so versatile in so many different ways that I just think Kansas city is built to, um, to win this thing again and no, no, you know, nothing against Tom Brady or Tampa. I think that they wrung as much as they can out of that towel to get there. Uh, but man, it would be, a, to me, it would be a colossal upset for, for Tampa to win that game. I, I agree. Home field yeah. advantage, but uh, that's what I wanted to ask you guys is there's a, a budding controversy in regards to the COVID restrictions. And usually these teams, you know, have a lot of time to acclimate to wherever new site the Super Bowl is. And because of, you know, the just the, the, the way that fate ended up working, the, the, the Bucks are going to be the first team in league history to play the Super Bowl at home. And so they get to be, you know, all rested in and, and ready. Whereas Kansas City, I think, is allowed to come two days before the game. Which I don't think is going to have as big of an impact as other people are saying, but it's worth noting, I suppose. Um, also, Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to be back, which could be a huge uh, thing for That's Tampa. huge. It is. That, 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 that will help them some. And, and like you, you mentioned, the left tackle is, I mean, you can't, you can't minimize that. But uh, I, I do think that Mahomes, you know, he doesn't even need an offensive line some games. And granted, yeah. he's got turf toe, but he, he is – he, he's got that sixth sense that you want your quarterback to have. He knows where the rush is coming from. He knows how to get away from it. He, he's, he's creative after he does do, do that. And uh, uh, it'll be a test for him. They're, they're a good defense. But, you know, on the other hand, like Tim said, the, the, the Chiefs defense is not, as, is not that bad either. They, they made a, a pretty good offense from Buffalo look pretty, pretty pedestrian last weekend. So I, uh, I, I think that they've improved over the offseason. And uh, it must have been me that brought up Hilaire, right? I, it must have been. <laughs> no, it's, uh, uh, they, they, uh, having them both in the backfield, uh, and I think, uh, what's his name, Le'Veon Bell will be healthier this week too. That, that, that's, that's a huge deal for them. And that, that just gives the uh, Bucks defense something more that they have to pay attention to. Joe, I think, I, think you're thinking, I think you're thinking of Le'Veon Bell from like 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Le'Veon Bell – is, is not what he once was. He's a three back, you know, Damian Williams is, uh, you know, the, the, the two and, that's and true. if, if, if Edwards Hilaire is there, he's, he's one. And that's not even close. He's so dynamic. So I, I don't I know. Sorry, but I mean, I just don't think that that that's as big a factor. And I think the one thing we haven't really gone into yet either is, you know, Andy's the best coach NFL head coach in the game right now. I mean, I'm not sure he hasn't always been, you know, you, you always need the quarterback and the players to get you there. But Andy Reid is just, you know, his coaching tree, and he just seems to be have reached a point in time in his life where everything he does just turns to gold. And I just can't see him, you know, showing up and not having that team in peak form and being ready. And, and yeah. I don't know if, if the weather in the preparation, not being able to be down there and practice in warmer weather is a thing or not, but 
Uh, yeah, I don't think it matters. I just think Kansas City is going to – like even like Tampa went into Green Bay and won. You know what I mean? It, yep. it, it, it's harder for Tampa to go to Green Bay and win than it is for Kansas City to go to Tampa and win. But Arian's no slouch either, though. I mean, he, he he's a he's a chess master that can you know go toe to toe with uh, with Reed if he wants. But yeah, I, I, point well taken about Andy Reed. He has he has uh, reached the pinnacle part of his career where where he is just uh, it, everything's working out. Everything he's doing is 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 in his favor, and uh, I think in that regard it, it will be it will be fun to watch. Uh, uh, next I, it's an amazing play. matchup, isn't it? I mean, just for the the threads you guys just tied together, the coaches, the the angle of passing the torch from one grade to another, Brady to Mahomes, even though you could argue that's already happened. Um, one part of it, you know, I think the the through line between the Packers and the Bills is that to really make it all the way in today's NFL, you need to have a, a diversified group of talent. And we saw, you know, you shut down Adams. What does that do? You shut down Diggs. What does that do? You know, I, uh, there was a story that came out two, uh, a couple weeks ago from, uh, I think it was the ESPN or something like that about Diggs and some of his supporters, his coach in Maryland, but they essentially said Diggs doesn't want to win, but he wants to be the reason that you win. And I wonder how, you know, with the, the takeaway from the Bills game being they'll be back, but they need more help on offense. You know, if they draft a stud running back, if they draft another, like a 1B wide receiver, how Diggs will interpret that and whether he'll think of it as another betrayal of, you know, what uh, doing something and calling it rain, as he quoted the Vikings by drafting Dalvin Cook, they somehow betrayed him. Um, I just think that it's going to be interesting to see how everything shakes out in Buffalo moving forward. But that could just be me, you know, bumming, uh you know, digs and the success that he's had this season. Who knows? Well, it, used to, it used to not be a negative thing to have two receivers. I mean, you know, point. Miami had had the dupers uh, back in, in Pittsburgh's glory days. They had Swan and Stallworth, and they're both in the Hall of Fame. You know, um, you know, you had. Um, Do you remember those names, Joe? You know who he's talking about. Just, just want to make I don't, sure. Uh, if they're not from the <laughs> Big Ten or the late nineties, they don't exist. <laughs> you know, and and so yeah, I don't know when this became kind of a curse. You know, to have a second receiver, or, or you know, why you always have to have everything going your way. Why this whole thing has become me, 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 mm-hmm. and and Buffalo got served that in their face, and everybody else was given a blueprint on how to play the Bills next year. You know, double digs and let everyone else try to just do what they can. And the most ludicrous part of this, and bringing it back to our team, is this conversation that Kyle Rudolph had with Ben Lieber. You know, yeah. this past week, and 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 he was asked about, well, well no, I'm not going to take a pay cut, and I don't want to be here if I'm just going to be a, a blocking a tight end. And it's it's such a unfortunate way for this to end, as it appears it's going to, because here's a guy who came in who couldn't block or wouldn't block mm-hmm. and wasn't really even asked to. And they had years when Adrian Peterson was here and could have used a better blocking tight end and he didn't do it or wouldn't do it. And, and so he really in the last couple of years made himself to where he is a very serviceable, if not dominant blocking tight end, which I really respected the heck out of. And then you got all the stuff he did in the hospitals and all the rest of it. Yeah. And anytime a guy makes a catch to beat, that idiot Sean Payton and the New Orleans yep. Saints in their own house. He'll always have a special place in my heart for that. But you can't not look at what the Vikings are doing in terms of Irv Smith and, and you know, in the other younger tight ends and say, this is a natural evolution of the NFL. You know, I, I, I understand it. 
Um, I may not like it. I may think I have more in the tank, but but he's handling this the wrong way. He's, he's going to yes, yes. He's going to end his because... career. Okay, if I can just finish my thought, he's he's going to end his career with another team. He'll get one or two more years. Yeah. So very pedestrian things, and 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 he'll want to come back here and be part of this community. And this is not the way to go out. It's it's interesting because the way that he positioned. It, his argument was essentially to shade Diggs by saying, you know, they came in, what could we get got here? Uh, they wanted me to block more, and I did that. Um, and I think maybe he was saying, I've been a loyal foot soldier, and I didn't complain, or I didn't go on social media and force my way up because my production was, and thus my marketability was hurt. I was a good teammate. But now he's essentially saying, that having been said, I don't want to do it anymore. Um, and so he's insulting Diggs for doing it while also positioning himself for the argument of saying, I'm now I'm going to do something that I clearly right. doing the same thing. Exactly. It, it, it comes down to what you're, you're looking for because, and, and it's hard for me to see this with uh, Kyle Rudolph, who's just a prince of a guy and always has been, and has, has been a good foot soldier as they say, but you know, take a look who was playing football last weekend and doing a lot of blocking for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at tight end. Mm. That was Gronkowski, I mean, look what, who he's been in this league, and all of a sudden he signed back on, and 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 that's been his role all season. And he picks his spot and makes a big play for the for for the uh, Bucks to help them win this game. You know, I'm not saying that uh, Kyle's body's beat up to that extent that that he doesn't have anything left that he 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 can't do this. I I, I get it, but at some point you have to take team over self. You know, Diggs didn't do it. Kyle's looking like he wants to and, uh, 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 you know, do the same as Diggs. And it, it just, it kind of breaks my heart a little bit because, you know, uh, one more season with those three tight ends in those roles, I think would just t- help make this offense just take off. These other two guys were just starting to feel their oats at that position and their confidence is building and, and, and they're going, you've got a great blocking tight end for, for, for your, your star running back. And you've got yeah. these two guys that can catch the passes and you got two great receivers. My goodness, they're loaded, put in a, a great offensive lineman to really help you. And, and, and then, then all you have to do is worry about the, the, uh, the defense and special teams as, as Tim reminded me the last couple of weeks. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of a shame. It's you know that that that's happening. But you know, like like you just said, Tim, and I just heard uh, uh, Ben Lieber say on the radio as I was driving up that you know he he's gonna he's gonna stay living here. Who doesn't want to stay and uh, raise their family in the Twin Cities and especially the off the field uh, uh, reputation uh, Kyle's built here? So try to figure out how to make it work here, but it, it may not be in the cards, I guess. Yeah, just there's no way. I mean, and it's not the Vikings' fault, and it's not his fault. It's the economics of the game. Because of this whole virus, and because they yeah. haven't had the fans in the in the stands, they're going to have to reset, you know, the cap much lower than it was ever projected to be. And the Vikings are going to be over that number. So are a lot of teams. And there's going to be a lot of veteran players on the market. It's just that's just a fact. It's it's yeah. I don't know. You know, we talked about this last week, but it seems like a completely avoidable thing if the owners were just to say, "Let's let, let, eat the lack of 
the, the lower profits. I'm sure they're still turning a profit. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna you know it's gonna throw a lot of people's multi-year team building strategy out the window. It's gonna make a lot of veteran guys uh, available and might make a lot of guys retire that otherwise wouldn't. Uh, that could be a good thing. It could be a boon for teams like maybe the Colts who have sixty million dollars to work with. You know what I mean? But at the same time, the Vikings are already twelve million dollars for the cap, and that's before all this. So no oh my. I don't know what they're going to do, but it, it does kind of, for, for Rudolph, it's like, oh, this is when you choose to take your stand. It, it just, it, it, it's not good for his legacy, but Minnesota people are very forgiving. Uh, and I'm sure he'll be back doing his camps and all that. Uh, but it's, it's a head scratcher. I mean, I don't know. How do we cover these things as members of the media? How do we talk about the cap or, or free agency at all when we have zero idea what's going to happen? In that? I mean, we have some semblance of an idea, but it just seems like it's going to be a complete nightmare. Yeah, for, if, for if, a lot of teams. If, if, exactly. If, if both uh, teams and players don't uh, – don't know that there's got they got to have to share the pain this time around that then then there's going to be problems because uh you know it's it's you can't you, I, I don't think if you dig in your heels on either end of this this situation coming forward you, you're, you're going to end up winning you'll, you'll end up losing it and uh and that's too bad I, I i just think this is this is no man's land i mean we uncharted waters here what they're going with post uh the first season of COVID and, and this new cap. So it, it, it's going to be a mess. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I always go back to what Cluey told us and what the stats show it's, you know, 75% of NFL and NBA players are paying, you know, bankruptcy within two years of retiring. And I think a lot of these guys can't maybe, and I'm, I'm not lumping Rudolph into that because I'm clearly not privy to his stuff, but uh, a lot of these guys can't afford to take a pick. Um, and, and so it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It'll be good fodder for the show and for content and everything, <laughs> but man, I'm sure there's a lot of guys sweating right now looking at, uh, a lot of this stuff, uh, and, and the futures with, with the team. But I think a lot of people have seen Rudolph, uh, kind of being done after the season anyway, just with the emergence of guys that you talked about. And then you got um, people like Daniil Hunter, who they're going to have to do something with him too. So that, yeah. you know. He's like yeah. the 18th paid, highest paid defensive end now because when he signed his contract, he was number one. But since then, the the numbers have shot past him. And, you know, he's going to be looking for a raise of some sort, even though he didn't even play last year. So uh, Cousins is going to have to take a cut. I don't know if they extend him for longer. He won't, but... he won't take a cut. What they'll do is they'll just put in a bonus for him. I mean, Cousins and his agent are genius because every time they come to him, he gets more guaranteed money. Yes. And, 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 and it's just, it just keeps, yeah, I'll restructure because it just means more guaranteed money in both form to Kirk Cousins and, and um, his agent, it, it, that's if, if we, any of us were lucky enough to somehow magically be NFL football players, we would want that agent because he has, <laughs> he has done well by Kirk. I'll tell you that. And he's done well by the league. I mean, every uh, quarterback that restructured their deal after Cousins should be sending that guy a, an edible arrangement uh, because he changed the way that the league does contracts dot 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 for quarterbacks. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get his contact info after the show. <laughs> Man, to, yeah, I mean, I, so it, of all the of all the topics that are out there, and I know I spun the last one, so allow me to, if I can, just pivot again on this because we haven't t- touched on uh, Matthew Stafford yet. Yeah. And Ooh. there's all these potential landing spots for for Matthew Stafford. But you know the one thing I haven't heard is is why wouldn't the um, the the Lions 
call the the um, the Texans and just go, look, we want to get younger at quarterback. You, you know, you want to get out of that contract. You know, uh, and he doesn't want to be there. We could give you a guy who's ready to go. Um, and, and maybe they sweeten the pot with a pick or something like that, too. But, I, I, you know, the Lions, unless you're going back in the draft, what are you going to do at quarterback? Unless you want this to be a total gut job. But I haven't heard that scenario brought out by anyone. But it seems to me that, you know, for what they're asking for, it sounds like they want three first-round draft choices or four first-round draft choices for Stafford. And I'm what? like, what? yeah. Well, and I'm I thought like, you meant yeah, Deshaun Watson. What? Yeah, wow. no, I'm, the Lions are trying to get into that too, and and because because I think everyone thinks that, I mean, everyone. The, I believe that if you put Deshaun Watson on Indianapolis, they get a lot better. But I believe if Matthew Stafford gets on Indianapolis, they're legitimate number one threat to Kansas City in the AFC. You know, and probably the to me on paper the number two team in the NFL. Stafford over mm. Watson. I, I do. I mean, I not you know if I was starting a franchise because of their age difference and their injuries yeah. and the rest of it, no, I'd yeah. go to Sean Watson. But I like, and probably maybe more than a lot of people do, but I like Matthew Stafford. I think that Matthew Stafford had been in a different situation. We're we're talking about his NFL uh, career and legacy in a lot different terms. Yeah, he goes over there with Frank Wright, who can really put together an offense and uh, that team that's really uh, is just looking for maybe to get to the next level with somebody, you know, they, they, they got kind of there with, uh, uh, Phillip rivers, but not quite, but they, and they had a great season, but, uh, I, I, I wouldn't argue with that, that, that Stafford couldn't, couldn't, uh, move them up a, a notch even higher. Cause they've, they've got a lot going on there. They've got a great offensive line. I think their defense is pretty good. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and a great coaching $60 million staff, so. under the cap. Yeah. Joe oh. pointed out there, they're huge under the cap so they can, yeah. they can add, you know, beyond that. But supposedly, uh, supposedly the Colts, the 49ers, uh, the Washington football team, the Bears, Carolina, the Rams, uh, Houston, Las Vegas, all interested in Stafford. I can see so, that, I, and I think it affects uh, a lot of things. I think it trickles down to the Vikings. I think it might affect, affect uh, some of the choices these teams make um, in the draft, depending on whether or not they're trading some of the, maybe those picks for a guy like Watson or Stafford to a team that then would need to use those picks for a one of the top, you know, three four quarterbacks remains to be seen. I guess I know Tim, you wrote a story about uh, Fields and whether, if he dropped to the Vikings, whether or not the, they should take him. And I've never seen such a polarized response from people. I was looking at the Bleacher Report, Bleacher Report comments. There was like 150 within an hour, and they were either very vehemently yes or no. It was like right down the middle. Um, you know, I'm I'm in the the school of thought that no, I think they could uh, the offensive line is, you know, we saw the line graded out as the 29th best uh, in quotes unit uh, against the pass rush uh, this last season, which means it was worse than the 2018 or 2019 lines, which were pretty terrible. Um, I, you know, I think it, it's Vikings, like Joe alluded to earlier, a good offensive line away from having the best offense in the entire NFL. I mean, the, what they accomplished considering the restrictions that are almost inherent in this uh, offense, considering they refuse to correct them. I mean, look at Mike Remmers, what he's done in Kansas City, because they moved him back to, I don't know, his natural position, as opposed to forcing him to play guard where he's never done it before. Um, I, I think all of this may end up benefiting the Vikings in a couple different ways, these quarterbacks shuffling around, and, and I'm interested to see what happens. But then again, 49ers get a good uh, 
a good quarterback and stay healthy, they could be a problem for many years to come. Mm-hmm. And and does does that mean there's there's legitimate interest in them in Cousins? And because honestly, if I'm if I'm Spielman and 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 if Stafford does go to Indianapolis and the 49ers lose out on him because I think that they they apparently would like to have, have Matthew Stafford. If they lose out, just go hey hey Indianapolis just gave up you know three first round draft picks for him. We'll only charge you two for Kirk. Do you yeah. do that deal? Mm. Yeah, o- it, only only if Joe Johnson is their general manager. Then then because he all I've asked. <laughs> I've always thought I would be like Matt Millett, but worse, just wide receiver, <laughs> wide receiver, wide receiver. Uh, but yeah, I don't see that happening because I think if anybody knows how hard it is to find consistent quarterback play, it's Rick Spielman. You know, he's tried. Ponder, Teddy, uh, Josh Freeman. I mean, look at all the guys that have been here since you know, uh, Spielman was the part of the triangle of authority or afterwards. It's just Austin the Bears, we can never really get anybody that's sub-30 at, at, at the position. So I don't really see that happening. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, was of, I, I thought if they were going to go into a full rebuild, it didn't make sense to keep Cousins last offseason. But I do think that this offense, of, uh, this offense is – uh, a good or even just a yeah. mediocre offensive line away from being really, really dangerous, especially if they air the ball out a little bit more and, and stop being so risk averse. It's all about the cap and that defense. Got to, got to get somebody on the other side of the ball because the way this team finished out was just uh, really bad on defense. And, and, and you know that Mike Zimmer is not going to stand for that. So. Yeah, I don't know. I just keep going back to that COVID cap, and it's like, you know, Daniel, if Daniel Hunter wants to get paid the way he should, the market rate that he should be getting paid, assuming Cousins doesn't restructure, you obviously Dalvin's not going to restructure, he just signed his deal, you could end up putting 50% of your salary cap into three guys. Uh, that's that, that's insane. Um, yeah. you, can't, you know, I don't know how that's going to work. It, it, it keeps me up at night, to be clear. You still have Anthony Barr and Eric Wilson, you know, God, to, what, do you, what do you do about that, you know, and yeah, so uh, yeah, a lot of interesting questions, and I, I just believe with the cap situation being what it is, I don't know why you would keep Barr or Wilson, but you would keep your options open as far as them and other free agents who are about to hit the market because yeah. other teams are going to be dumping linebackers too. Yeah, and it, uh, the more the, the problem, the thing that freaks me out is more question marks that arise on defense the less the chance that the Vikings are truly going to you know bite the bullet and just invest some high picks in in the interior of their offensive line um especially if Riley Reef is one I mean I don't know where you guys stand on Riley Reef and the season that he had and whether or not they can keep him I know they he almost didn't even make roster they were gonna for salary cap reasons but he arguably had his best season of his career at least as a Viking and I don't think he's gonna be very happy about taking another pay cut as you know one of the higher no. paid positions in the league so if you get rid if you lose Reef then you what do you do move Cleveland to left tackle then you're back to square one having just nothing at the guard positions which has been kind of the problem since 2016 and if you have all these question marks on defense I don't think Zimmer is going to be the type of guy to say like oh well I've done the exact same thing year to year I never learned from my mistakes but instead of the shiny new defensive key or uh, draft pick that he gets enamored with I'm going to take Wyatt Davis uh, I, I just don't see it happening even though I think the impact of having 
Wyatt Davis versus any sort of defender is is the difference in impact would be would be larger for the overall success of the team. But that's just not how they believe in building a team. Clearly. Well, and your your right tackles do for a major pay increase after the season too. And he'll he'll be a free agent too. So you got to take care of that. Uh, the the problem on that offensive line this past year was not Reef. It was it was center, and this will be a huge year for Bradbury. And um, so yeah, I I I agree. I think everybody does. So well, everybody, it's it's a popular thought that they still need to do something about that offensive line. They've never made it a priority. They've always sort of pieced it together. But yes, other questions. But I think defense is one of those things where you can. It's good to be young and it's good to be fast. You know, I, I just I know savvy players are are nice to be able to rely on and stuff. But Anthony Barr, you know, I just think you know he's no, you know, he just it doesn't make enough of an impact. And for the for the dollar value we're talking about, a couple of years ago, he tried his way back onto this team, and and really, you know, what has he done? He puts people in the right position. Well, you know what? They still played a season this year without him, and it wasn't good. But you know, there's other guys who are young and hungry. And who I think can just can run. That's what you need on your defense. You need well, young and you need fast. Thanks a lot, guys. I, I race like crazy against the speed <laughs> limit to get all the way to the cities to get on here and talk about the Packers. And I'm just in heaven. And now I'm back down. I to know. It's like <laughs> I was going to make a joke. Can we maybe cover the Timberwolves moving forward? This is a little bit uh, disconcerting. You know, I, I, I we. All of us, you know, focus on this from time to time, and we communicate a lot through text or through Slack. But it always feels like kind of a Vikings therapy session, whatever. I've been able to talk to Joe and get some of these ideas out of my head, and more so out uh, bouncing off of people who, uh, you know, don't always agree with what I'm saying 100%. And I, I really feel like the takeaway from this is that I'm very, very concerned about the future of this team. Uh, you know, again, I, I just really wish the this COVID cap thing wasn't an issue because I just, I don't see how, I mean, Barr, it has to be a foregone conclusion that he's done. He's, he's making 13 and a half million. He's the third highest paid player in this team. Is he the third best or the third in terms of impact? Zimmer might say so because he asks him to do all these things and I'm sure Barr will go somewhere where they run a 3-4 and he'll have some Khalil Mackian type resurgence uh, where he's, you know, just eating quarterbacks for breakfast and we'll all get upset about it like we did with Xavier Rhodes but it's, uh, I think the idea that a lot of fans have that it's like, well, just by virtue of time with a lot of these guys getting healthy, the defense is going to be this much better. Or Michael Pierce will be back. But I don't think, yeah. you know, Anthony Harris is gone for sure. Uh, Barr's probably gone. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Daniil Hunter. That really kind of freaks me out. I don't see him. You know, but he, It's a weird spot because it's the worst possible time for him to try to restructure his deal from an injury standpoint, but also from a COVID standpoint. So does he hold out because he, he feels like he's underpaid and, you know, look at what happened to his neck. He needs to earn as much money as possible because you never know. He but... can't sit for two years in a row. Yeah, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't no, I mean, okay. look what happened to Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell is a good example of that. Uh, different position, obviously, but taking time away is in, in your earning prime is not maybe the best thing to get a negligible amount of guaranteed money, but he's going to cash in. Uh, I, somebody will pay, even though his neck uh, oh, yeah. is messed up. Somebody would pay top dollar to get a guy like Hunter at his age. Yeah, uh, he's, he's a, Danny Green would say he hasn't hit his man strength yet. I mean, yeah. he's so young. I mean, he's, he's what, 25? Yeah. You know, 26 yeah. maybe? 
And, and yeah, so, I mean, he's, he's got years, you know, if he's, if the neck is not an issue, you know, that, that, and we don't know that yet, you know, we were told it was nothing in, in August and he missed the entire season. I so saw an, an article from with. 10 days before the season started that, that said Zimmer optimistic that uh, Hunter will uh, play week one. It was like, what? Yeah. Uh, subterfuge. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, you know, the takeaway uh, for every show is uh, panic, I guess. Uh, it's time to panic, everybody. Uh, but I'm sure they'll figure it out. I have a lot of faith in Spielman and Brzezinski from that perspective, at least. See? Yeah. Positive about it. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, see. So, yeah, we're already panicking. We haven't even played the Super Bowl yet. So, I <laughs> so we don't have to worry about the Packers winning it. So all is yeah. good. Yeah, or, or digs either. I think uh, things turned out as good as possible for us Vikings fans. And I think that's a good place to put a pin in it for this week. Uh, you know, we like to bring you down and then boost you right back up so you can, you know, hearts humming, go into the world and Detroit Lakes and talk sports. Uh, keep an eye out on, on our sites these next couple of weeks. Uh, in particular, we have a lot of really cool stuff coming in both terms of content and, and new sites and new angles and new features uh, that have been in the works for a really, really long time. So we're incredibly excited to announce some of that stuff. Uh, and uh, check out vikingsterritory.com Check out purpleptsd.com uh, Follow both Mr. Oberly and Mr. McNiff on Twitter at Joe Oberly, O-B-E-R-L-E, and at Tim McNiff1, the number one. You can also follow me at VTPTSD if you want to get a uh, sarcastic tweet once every 45 days. Uh, but this has been the Vikings Territory Breakdown for the 27th of January 2021. We'll catch you guys next week. And Skull, I guess? Our cars will break down, and when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV, and less repair bills, plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary. Our cars will break down, and when they do, the repair bill can be devastating. Not anymore. You need Protect My Car. Whether it's a car, truck, or SUV, you can stop paying expensive repair bills. Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now to see if you could qualify. Just tell us the make and model and get an instant quote right over the phone and get coverage today. For cars between 2008 and newer, expensive repairs for the engine, transmission, and much more can become a thing of the past. 
Call Protect My Car at 800-392-8795 now before your next repair bill hits. For total protection of your car, truck, or SUV, and less repair bills, plus free oil changes, free tire rotations, and free roadside assistance. Just call 800-392-8795 now. Protect your car and your wallet. Call 800-392-8795. Paid for by Protect My Car. Restrictions may apply. Plans and costs for coverage may vary.